Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Thank you, everybody, for all the tremendous support we've received so far in two episodes of Total Bees She's Show, the podcast with myself and producer Chris Maxwell. We already doubled our first week in our second week. So if we double it again, we're going to be like eight times what we started with. I think that's the math. I'm not very good with math. Producer Chris, how are you doing today? I am uh, doing fantastic. It's, no, you're it, not. It's, it's been a day. <laughs> it's, it's been a day for me. But uh, like I was saying to somebody else, they're like, well, you had a had a bad day. I said, no, I had a character building day. So if you've had a bad day and then you have to deal with Character me, building day. <laughs> if you've had a character building day and then you have to deal with a character like me for the next however long I'm going to talk for, your day is only going to get worse. I'm sorry to break it to you. That's kind of the indication I got when you got here. So we'll, we'll deal with it. We will move on and... Uh, Live our lives, I, I guess, dealing with a character like Mike Davidson does yes. come with its pitfalls. Well, character builder, Chris, uh, re- regarding something you said last week that regards something you said two weeks ago, and you're just digging deeper and deeper and deeper, it turns out Prairie Wrestling Alliance might not be the longest in Canada. I'm following this up. I'm doing my homework. You know, my cousin, Vance Nevada, the yes. purported historian, would probably say, oh, who, who the longest running company in Canada is right now. I don't personally know. But it's not PCW. We proved that. And I found out, I talked to somebody who's very close with Kurt Sorok and the promoter for Prairie Wrestling Alliance, that he has run without hiatus until the pandemic. Okay. So he has been consistent for 21 years running Prairie Wrestling Alliance, but there might be two companies in Quebec that have run since the 90s. So I'm going to find out who they are and what their story is. We should just have Vance Nevada on the show. Uh, you could try to book him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I woke up this morning to a weird text from my friend, Steve Stryker, and it involved Vance Nevada. And boy, you think you've had a bad day. When I wake up thinking about Vance Nevada, first thing, it's usually all downhill from there. Yeah. And that, that worries me. That worries me for the rest of the podcast. I want to know how fired up you are. Well, I'm fired up. You know what? Another thing I looked into. Last week, we couldn't think of her name from Heels, and it is Allison Luff. I was right. The, the wife. Yeah, she's not my celebrity crush. I don't have a celebrity crush since Betty White died, but she is the hottest thing on TV right now, in my opinion. And we will get into Heels, of course, episode two. Yeah, of course. And and see where we're at with that. We, uh, we are super happy about the tremendous response. I do want to just nail that home one more time because I can't believe it, like double, double, and I think we're just going to double. We're just going to keep going. You know, my goal is that we triple this week triple yeah so we went double the second week from the first week and if we could triple that then then you know what life's going to be good i start like when i had this idea to be part of this podcast and i begged you to help me with it i had this vision that i was just going to have fun there would be no format and the reason it's called total bees she's is obviously i'm not sitting there losing sleep over anything with this podcast it's us getting together and just be cheesing for an hour or two with no format and i know you have a format and i told you stop using that format (laughs) but like i wanted to share my wisdom my insights i wanted to challenge people i want to say one thing i'm not ever taking a dump on anybody 
when I say, oh, well, I think that they put too many wrestlers on a poster or I think that they shouldn't have done this or their TV might could look better, it's not about me taking a dump on anyone's effort. I appreciate everyone's effort and what they put forth in trying to make independent wrestling better. But from my wisdom and instincts, if I could say one thing that triggers one improvement for every company, I'd be pretty proud of that. And, and that's why I think every independent wrestler, every independent promoter, every independent wrestling fan needs to listen because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm not doing this for myself. Trust me, it's costing me more money than I'm making, and it probably will be that way forever. See, because yes. I'm a money mark who wants to lose money. But I'm doing it because I think there's stuff that I can share that can help make it better. I've had only two promoters contact me who listened to episode one and episode two, and they have and they wanted feedback. They wanted, they wanted greater insight into what I said. They wanted clarification. I have a lot of respect for that. I, there's some promoters where I'll reach out to them on Twitter, and they're not even... Do you think they even care? No. No. That's fine. You do you. I'm going to do me. And if I'm critis- if I'm critical of what you're doing, too bad. And if I'm positive about what you're doing, hey, if you don't like to hear it, too bad. Too bad. We might have our first guest next week. Ooh. I'm working on that. Yeah. I'm also working on Wayne Stanton. And I want to get to the bottom of if Bobby J actually gave Bulldog Bob Brown a golden shower, because I've heard I might have been wrong about that. I didn't lie, because oh, I was reciting I a story I, I heard. See. When you say it, it, it no, yeah, I wasn't wrong. I am when not. I, when I say it, well, I, I might have been wrong, but I wasn't lying, okay? So that's that's what I'm saying. That's that's where I'm coming from. But we're going to get to the bottom of that with beautiful Bobby J, independent promoter, independent wrestler. He hasn't, doesn't promote anymore. But did he in his early years, do something disrespectful to Bulldog Bob Brown that may or may not have been a golden shower. Have you spoken to him about it yet? A little bit, but he, he, I haven't been able to nail him down. He's cagey. You, you He's to, a cagey <laughs> character. You have to understand, I send a text and then I'm terrible at texting, so the guy might respond and I, I don't get back to him right away. It must drive them crazy. All right, so where can we find the total B-She's on social media? Everywhere. Because the social media team we've got right now, they're just handling and they're on top of everything. They're doing their best. Uh, and I, I'm part of that, so we're doing our best. Um, on Twitter, we're at Total B-She's. On Instagram, we're at Total B-She's. On Facebook, type in Total B-She's. Um, where else? Email us at totalbshees at gmail.com. That's, That's right. also the PayPal. I'm not saying you need to send us money, but if I make you laugh, what is that worth? You go to movies to laugh, you watch TV to laugh, you pay for Netflix to laugh. So if I make you laugh, send me $5. Maybe you could do that. I'm joking, of course. But if I do make you laugh, it's got to be worth something. And if I give you an idea that works as an independent wrestler or independent promoter, and you decide, hey, I want to pay it forward, maybe we'll have shirts to sell one day. That's why we have a PayPal. Good idea, good idea. And of course, the podcast can be found across all platforms now. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, all these. Did you say Spotify? I did yeah, say you Spotify. said Spotify and Stitcher. Yeah, all of them. iHeartRadio as well. Every single one of them. We don't even have to name them anymore. We no. just have to say everywhere you listen to a podcast, you can hear us. And you just type in the total bishes, just like Mike Davidson was saying about the email and about the about the Facebook, about the Instagram. Just type it in, you'll find it. Starting very shortly, the the uh, social media team is going to be taking little bits from every show and putting it on YouTube as yes. well in like five minute clips or three minute clips. So the funny stuff you'll probably hear me talk like Omar Nicholas. Ah. Uh, okay, Mike Davidson. <laughs> I hear the devil, Mike Davidson. I want to grab you by the throat, Mike Davidson. You'll probably hear us talk like that from the first episode. But that's going to be on. Uh, that's going to be on YouTube starting next week, probably. So you can probably just like 
search us there and, and get a laugh on the shorter clips so you don't have to listen to the whole hour and five minutes, hour, 15 minutes, hour, four, however long we're going to be she's for. Poor Omar. Poor Omar. He's getting a lot of press here. Um, okay, so let's move on. Let's get into things. Wayne oh. Stanton likes his press, too. Does, I'm going to try to get Wayne on the show. Does WS like it? That WS does. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure about the other WS. That might be a split personality of just one WS. Like yeah. one one pisses in big gulps, and the other one is is that very nice guy, ring announcer. Yeah, Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, there's a lot of people who know that WS who think he is Jekyll and Hyde, by the way. We're going to try to get him on the show. I don't guarantee that I'll ever get Wayne Stanton on the show. I don't think so either. But I'm going to call in every favor I have. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Maybe maybe he'd want to come on. He might. Yeah. yeah. I have two guests like that I've talked to that are like gung-ho and ready to come on. They're almost like dream guests. Yeah. I, you told me a little bit about this, and you kept one of them secret because mm-hmm. even, even I am not in on the inside of You're not of in this. the know, man. I tell you when I come here. But the one you did tell me, I was very excited about, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Now, let me stop you. I, the one question I get asked a lot, and I, I mentioned this on social media, I wanted to share it on the podcast. The Mike Davidson mentioned in Bob Holly's The Hardcore Truth, that is in fact me. The Mike Davidson mentioned as Bruce Hart's friend in Stu Hart's book, I think it's called Lord of the Ring, that isn't me. I don't know which Mike Davidson that is, but but that you're not the only person who's made that mistake, listeners, right. who asked. It's actually Julie Hart, Bret Hart's ex-wife, mistook me for the original Mike Davidson. I'm the original Mike Davidson. He's the Calgary Mike Davidson. Let's say that. The I don't ca- know who he is. I want to find out who that is. So if you know who the Mike Davidson is who's friends with Bruce Hart, drop me a line. Tell me what kind of guy he is. Yeah, get, Maybe get he's the us. bad one we hear all about. I can't believe you're not friends with Bruce Hart. I, I am friends with Bruce Hart on, on Facebook. So you kind of are. Never met one, him. You kind of are. Never the Mike talked Davidson to him. It's friends with. Oh, okay. So you're, yeah. I wasn't at Stu's, har, Stu's, <laughs> Stu's house with Bruce. Bruce's friend, Mike Davidson. It wasn't me. I'm okay. telling you right now. Fair enough. Let's what move, are we moving on to? We're moving on to Triple H. He, is, uh, he stirred some things up um, with some of his comments yes, on, on indie, indie wrestlers, indie guys. And some of their habits. So I was wondering, did you see that quote first off? Yeah, I've got the quote right here. Triple H says independent wrestlers have more bad habits than untrained college athletes. And there are a lot of independent wrestlers who did not like hearing that. Well, no doubt, because he said things like that before. I know one other time he said before something to the effect of that indie guys are too indie. And and it just kind of made me think, uh, like, what are you, what are you getting at? Well, there's that? a theory that Triple H doesn't really believe that because it, for many indie darlings, he was sort of seen as the savior when he sat there and hired them all for NXT and yep. gave them a heck of a platform. Here's what I think. And I, I there are people that know more about this than me who are going to come on the show and talk about it if I have anything to say about it for next week. But Triple H wasn't trying to offend anybody. I think he was trying to justify WWE's current hiring practice of they want athletes that have kind of aged out of, like, say, for instance, a football player who maybe played high school or maybe even played college and isn't going to go on to the pro ranks. And he sees the value in that. Um, Let me tell you about athletes I I personally came across who were better in a wrestling locker room than, than wrestling fans who grow into being independent wrestlers. Uh, Andy Lewis, Andy Anderson, right? He went on to wrestle in IWA Puerto Rico and had a cup of coffee in Japan and uh, Mexico, and he was probably one of the best at one point, one of the best Canadian talents that wasn't signed to WWE or WCW, and he was a goalie, uh, high level goalie in in high. I think he might have played high school hockey. He probably played junior at some level, but he had a different mindset the way he approached training and the way he approached physical conditioning and the way he approached being a wrestler because of his 
conditioning as an athlete. And also Kenny Omega played hockey. I, I think it was at a fairly high level. I think he almost made the Canadian Hockey League, like WHL, right. before he decided wrestle, or hockey wasn't for him and he went into wrestling. And that might explain why he had, you know, like better conditioning and way better athleticism than a lot of the, a lot of his peers in Winnipeg when he broke in. So I get what Triple H is saying. Like I actually, what I don't understand is why independent wrestling promoters and trainers aren't going out and actually actively recruiting because they want the, the wrestling enthusiasts to come to them and agree to pay $2,000, $3,000 to train. I think they should do it the other way around. And I think they should be reaching out to high school athletes yeah. and, and Hey, you've only got one more year playing your sport. Why don't you try out with this professional wrestling thing and you can do this and make money doing it. Granted, you're not going to make a ton of money doing it, but who knows that door, what doors you could open from doing that. Yeah. And you know what? Places aren't even really advertising for wrestling training like they used to. Like when I got into the business, there was a lot of places that were advertising to train wrestlers. CWF was advertising. Let's see, uh, Don Callis was advertising. That's where I was originally going to go train. And then uh, Rob Stardom actually reached out to me. But there was at least half a dozen places in Winnipeg that you could go and and train or they were advertising training, whether the training was any good or well, not. That's, that's another problem. That's another story. But there were places that were advertising. And you know what? I don't think there's beyond wrestling, Canadian com- wrestling elite. I don't think anybody yeah. is advertising. Well, anymore. I think there is Lance storm stopping training in Canada. Canada is a, is a disservice to training of wrestlers in Canada. Yes. Um, and, and in the, the thing is, is wrestling companies do training as an afterthought, as a revenue driver to make a little, to make a little bit of money and they don't actually focus on having a curriculum or a program or a facility any of those things now wait i'm going to stop my good friend in in uh alberta heavy metal runs the top talent wrestling academy right professional ring professional facility i would imagine that he gets good results Johnny Devine is training in yep. Alberta. Uh, Can-Am Wrestling is training in Alberta. So in Alberta, they're trying, and I'm sure in places in the States, they're trying to develop new wrestlers. But I don't know if they go out and recruit. And that's what I'm saying is the problem. Don't wait for people who love wrestling to come to you and want to be a wrestler. Why aren't you going out there and recruiting these athletes as they finish up in, in high school sports or or early university sports or college sports? Go out there and find guys that would be perfect the thing I also notice is when they come from an athletic background in dressing rooms, like whether they played basketball or whether they played football or whether they played hockey, they actually have a different demeanor in the in the locker room yes. than wrestling fans who became independent wrestlers. Independent wrestlers who were wrestling fans and just grew into being an independent wrestler by going through training. And I was one of them, so I'm not being critical, but they often don't have social skills or they don't have the mindset or yeah. they don't have the conditioning or the commitment. That's a big problem. And that's why they only go so far. And I probably, that might be one of the bad habits Triple H is talking about. I can tell you this from my experience when WFX booked a roster that was about one-third former WWE free agents, one-third people traveling in from a 12-hour radius, and one-third local independent talent, that the bad habits didn't come from the free agents down. Like the Eugene and Gangrel right. didn't bring bad habits. They brought a, a polished game. They were Their game face and their, and their mindset was always bang on. 
I found that independent talent has bad habits, quite honestly, and it's not their fault. They, a lot of times they work in one box, their local, yeah. their local territory against their local wrestlers. They will never break bad habits. Now, Danny Duggan, Mentolo, guys that travel, AJ Sanchez, guys who travel and try to work new boxes, new territories, probably develop better skills because they work a bunch of different places. And maybe, but they might also develop bad habits from each place. I don't know. Well, I mean, you you get a different you get a different flavor from each place you go. Like that was one thing I saw in an inter- interview with Danhausen recently. He talked about who is is that that guy on AEW? Yeah, with the face paint. Oh, I don't know if I like that guy. Please quote him so I can he, just he's a, he, scoff. He's a good worker. If you ever watch any of his matches, he's a really good What's worker. What's his gimmick? Well, th- this am gi- I going to scoff? You're pro. You probably might scoff. This gimmick is that he's he's got magic and he curses people and blah blah blah. And it's a lot of schmaltz now. But like before, he did this gimmick when he was just Dominic Danhausen. Very, very good worker. Very vicious in the ring. I really liked his work. What made him a good worker, Chris? Uh, and before I say that, I don't want to. I don't want to cut your nuts off here. Okay. But what qualifies you to say he's a good worker? So tell me what makes him a good wrestler, and tell me what qualifies okay. you to say so. What qualifies me to say so is well. Let's see. How old am I now? I'm 37. So I just pr- at least snipped you right there least, in front of everybody. At least 34 years of watching professional wrestling. Okay. So that's that's good enough for me. Yeah. And if it's not good enough for you, I couldn't care less. Okay. Good. Uh, good. Secondly, you got to challenge me the same way I challenge oh, you. Oh, for pal. sure. I, for sure, I will. Um, and what. What makes him a good worker is that I was engaged the whole time because I can tell you what I can turn on WWE Raw yeah. and I am not engaged. Okay, so not, by your by that standard, so, Hacksaw Jim Duggan must have just really flipped your crank because you were engaged I, when you watched. I him. liked him when I was a kid. I sure did, did like him. Yeah, yeah. he was yeah. definitely good. But, I, I wouldn't be engaged. But now. I don't think you gave me enough there for me to. I haven't seen enough of him to say he's good or bad. Let me first say that right. he might be great. I haven't seen enough of him, but when I I want you to sell me on the idea that I would have to go watch a match of his, and I think unfortunately that came up light. I don't think you sold me. Well, that's, that's too bad. What made Bret Hart a good wrestler? Ooh, we don't have enough time. Uh, yeah, we don't have enough time. But th- I'll just d- go over it quickly. With Bret Hart, every match was a story, and every story was different. So I didn't feel like even though Bret Hart worked within a framework of his skill set. Every match was different. Every match was put together different, and every story was different. So what you're telling me is Dan Housen is no Bret Hart because you did a much better job selling Bret Hart than you did Dan Housen. I will sell Bret Hart to the moon okay. better than Dan Housen. Uh, here's my problem with Dan Housen, and I'm go- this is all I'm going to say about AEW this week, so please don't take me there again. Okay. Their problem is some of their gimmicks are hokey. Danhausen's hokey. Matt Hardy's been hokey before. Now that he's back with Jeff, maybe not so much. But like, they don't care about like like what's that guy there that uh, Orange Cassidy? Orange Cassidy. Yeah, who's going to sell for that well, guy? No, that's that, and I, I agree with you. I and I agree with Jim Cornette about a lot of that stuff. But I'm but, not but, quoting Jim Cornette. No, I'm not quoting him either. I but I agree with his general demeanor on that. However, there is a place on a wrestling show for the Gaga. However. AEW has too much of it. Yeah. And so Orange Orange Cassidy is his name. Um, the Best Friends, that's really dumb too. I really yeah. don't like that at all. How are they ever going to draw money when they're a, a Dan, joke? Danhausen is good gaga. He's the only... What makes him good gaga? He's, he's, I want to drop this he, subject he, soon because it's driving me crazy. He's entertaining. He's, enter- he's been described as a mix between Conan O'Brien and Mr. Burns. 
That's and that was dropped on Conan O'Brien's podcast, by the way, with Dan Housen, who was on it. In my whole life, I have not said, "God, if there could only be one wrestling character that mixed Mister Burns from Simpson with Conan O'Brien, I would be set." It's the entertainment value. He's the only one that should be doing Gaga. Orange Cassidy's very over with that He's fan ex- base. Extremely over, and I believe the best friends are are useless as well. But if they had Danhausen doing the Gaga and they left the rest of the guys to work, it'd be good. I'd be interested knowing what Triple H said, bringing this all back around. Yeah. What he would think of Danhausen. He would hate it. What he might think of Orange Cassidy. What he might think of the best friends. I wonder about the Orange Cassidy thing because Orange Cassidy's not terrible in the ring. He can work. Yeah, but it's, when, a, it's a joke. When he's not doing the stupid yeah. kicks and stuff like that. I would say this. If I was an independent talent right now and I wanted to end up on WWE's radar, I, a lot of problem <laughs> yeah. with independent talent when you're in a wrestling locker room in an independent show, they, they don't watch sports. They don't, they don't yeah. pay attention to it. They know wrestling. The, you try to talk football with them and it's right over their head. You try to talk NHL hockey with them, it's over their head. They don't have an interest in that because their whole life has been independent or like wrestling and then trying to make it as a wrestler. I think that they need to understand. I, I've been around pro athletes, both NHL and CFL football, and their approach. Actually, I'm going to go one step further. So, if you are a pro or if you're an athlete and you play competitively in in football or basketball or hockey at the NHL level or the or the CFL or even before that at high school, even you're trained because you're trying to become. You're trying to make it to to a higher level, like college and then eventually professional here's something that happens at independent wrestling shows i never understood the talent all goes out before the show for half an hour to shill merch do you think a quarterback at a football game at any level is gonna say hey coach can i just go out and sell my gimmicks so i can make a couple bucks the coaches say take your equipment off go sell your gimmicks and we're gonna start the other guy as quarterback yeah it doesn't make sense if if you if if Wrestlers are professional athletes. In my opinion, they are. What they go, th- what they require to be good at it, and what they go through physically to do it is physically demanding. It's a physical performance. They are, f- they are professional athletes if they're getting paid. But they think it to make a little bit more money. They're going to go out there and and pander to the fans to try to get them to spend an extra ten dollars with them to buy a picture. It doesn't make sense. Now I understand they want to make that money, but there's a way that they should ask the promoter to make the money for them. Send up two or hire two very attractive females to work at the merchandise stand. At, at most professional sports venues, they're called hawkers. Yeah. And their job is to call out, hey, we've got this for sale. We've got this for sale. A professional ring announcer can draw attention to the merchandise stand where fans then go take a look and decide what they want to buy. Then right after the main event, the talent can come out and do autographs for the people exiting. That makes sense. But trying to get them as they come in, where's the preparation? Where's the con- where's the com- commitment to conditioning? If you're out there trying to sell your merch, maybe that's one of the bad habits Triple H is talking about. Maybe he's had <laughs> a few guys be. in for a tryout, and they're like, hey, do you mind if I go up to the concourse and sell some gimmicks? And they're probably like, yeah, just go home. Hey, Hunter, you want to buy a T-shirt? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe that's one of the bad habits Triple H is talking about. We're going to delve into this more. Yes. I, I think what Triple H is saying is that they would rather start from scratch with somebody with that God-given talent of an athlete that sometimes independent wrestlers don't have, they have to work at, and they think they can mold them into a better wrestler than independent wrestlers. I, I, I think that's what he means. But I, I think there was a lot of independent wrestlers who were quite miffed about it, and 
that's hey, there's probably more to be miffed at. If you're one of those guys that needs to go out there and sell your merch, maybe reconsider what you're doing. And and we will definitely talk about this next week, and we're hopefully going to have a, have a special guest lined up for that. Let's move on, though, to Heels. Uh, episode number two, of course, we did number one last week. If you missed the podcast last week, go back and listen now beautiful thing about podcasts you can listen anytime yeah they should binge listen now that there's three episodes even if you've listened to one and two listen to them again get on it tell me everything i said wrong that's what i like to hear okay so let's start from the top the 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 episode title is the dusty finish um that is the title (sighs) which i like can i cut you off for a second yeah go ahead all right here's what i want to say if you watched the series heels on stars tell us what you thought why was it, because I heard everyone rave about this series, and I like this series a whole lot, right? But tell us what you liked about it, because I'm going to tell you, I the way I watched it is I watched it to try to dr- draw relations to what I had seen, right, in, in independent wrestling locker rooms, because that's what it is. So last week we talked about it, and I, I think we did a really good job of breaking, off, breaking out with what was legitimate and what was a little bit far-fetched, right? So if you liked Heels on Stars... Tell us what you liked. Now, we talked about episode one last week. This week, we're talking about episode two, The Dusty Finish. I didn't like that name for a title of an episode. I, I, I didn't like it either. I, I would have liked it if it was a little bit more apropos, but it was just like a title they just kind of used. Yeah, exactly. Just kind of to pop the pop the marks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, try so, to be cool and try to draw. Obviously, when they put this show together, they were really hoping that every wrestling fan would watch it and then could pop a number. Hey, they did something right. They've been renewed for season two that's coming out very shortly. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, of course. I'm yeah. looking forward to, to it as well. So what did you see in episode okay, two? Okay, so episode two of Heels... Uh, basically, it's picking up the morning after that disastrous yeah. event, um, <laughs> and things are not the good. disastrous event as we said last week in episode the, the one. The Duffy screw job, yeah, where um, Jack Spade took his little brother Ace, put him in a shoot hold after a German suplex, and, and made the, the referee, ref call it. Yeah, and then Ace, as the top baby face, cried in the ring and blew a hissy fit. Which is kind of rightfully so, and he got pelted with popcorn, yeah. and basically, and so this the fans is the, turn on him, and this is the aftermath. Yeah, so you know, the, it starts pretty innocuous. It starts with Ace, and he's banging Crystal in his room. Yeah, they show a lot of nudity. They, there. they do. So it's for my friends graphic. who like to see that sort of thing, like that's maybe not what I need to see, you know. But for my friends who like seeing it, she's hot, and she yeah. shows a lot. Yeah, and so and then follows that up with Jack showing up at work at his lawn care company. Yeah, not that his, one was not his. You know what? That was legit, actually. So I, I made a note of that. So Jack Spade shows up to sell lawn mowers, and I was thinking, like, after episode one, I was like, does he have a real job, or is like, is yeah. he living off independent wrestling? And it turns out he's got the real job. And and he's a commissioned salesman with. And lawn he's not mowers. very good because he runs off a customer who comes in with a lot of money because he's being too theatrical. I thought he was okay. I think the customer wasn't that interested in buying, quite honestly. But his boss who's probably about five or seven years younger than him kind of makes fun of him for being a wrestler that's real world man when i when i was in the wrestling business as a wrestler and um by no means was i like you would look at me and not really say hey that guy might be a wrestler you know and i worked at a i worked 
a regular job and all my coworkers kind of s- s- almost snickered at me and laughed. No one took it serious. So, and that's what he encounters here with this young boss who owns the lawnmower stop, shop who just doesn't, who's like, treats him kind of like a jabroni. He does. He absolutely does. Um, back at DWL, the wrestlers are there. They're in the, in the, in the, what building. are their names? Rooster? Apocalypse. Apocalypse is the muscled up guy. Yeah. Pin, uh, Bobby Pin. Bobby Pin, who's the green guy who's very impressionable. He comes in like, painted all blue and thinks it's his new gimmick painted as fuchsia i believe it is yeah and he wanted to be called fuchsia yeah but they're worried that that the the fed's going down because if this is how jack treats yeah rooster rooster's hot like if you think about if you try to draw comparisons to the montreal screw job this would be like the locker room the day after the montreal survivor series when brett got screwed and people are like i don't know if i want to work for vince after that that's what rooster's kind of saying like I don't trust Jack. Yes. And, and that's what I said last week. Why would a booker go into business for himself? Because now the wrestlers are like, they're not going to respect him. He, ca- he caused drama by being a bad booker, in my opinion. Well, and, and he stood in the way of his brother getting a chance at the big time. And that and that's kind of where we pick up from there is Ace is feeling like he's he's lost his big shot, right? He feels <laughs> he's trying to call Wild Bill. Wild Bill's not returning his calls, which is legit as well. That happens all the time. Um, so he's, he's kind of, you know, wondering... You know, where am I going with my life? I've quit wrestling and I've lost my wrestling Yeah, but shot. okay, so if Ace, so let's go backwards here. Okay, so Ace is upset and he's he's trying to get a hold of Bill. He wants to make sure he's still got his, his shot at going up north, which is like WWE. Yes. Realistically, WWE's not sitting there going, oh my God, what happened to Duffy last night? We can't book Ace. As long as Ace didn't do something that went viral, like pulled out his, you know, moon the crowd or something and... Or like did something really like abused a fan. And I could tell you a story about that and I will. But Ace didn't do anything that bad that would cost him a tryout. Like that's that's a stretch that Wild Bill now doesn't want to give him a shot because of what happened. Like why? How, like, well, let's assume Vince McMahon is looking at some indie talent. Oh, you know, were we going to hire that guy? Like he, he just lost a match when he got shot on by his brother. I don't I don't see the, the correlation. I. I can kind of see it just based from the character standpoint, but in real life, you're right. It's yeah, not, it, I can see a guy who went through that thinking it just wrecked his life. Yeah, for you, sure. You know, because he's taking himself too seriously. And it's in your own mind, everything centers around you, right? The universe is bigger than you, but in your own head, a lot of people, they're the center of their own universe and it's all they can think about. So we cut back to to, to Ace's house. He's in his mother's house. He lives with his mother, by <laughs> the way. And he's banging his and girlfriend. She, yeah, he's banging house. his girlfriend. Well, mom doesn't like that, so she kicks... What Cri- mother does? He, she kicks Crystal out and, and tells Crystal that my boys make it a fresh start. Well, actually, she says, you, what, you don't respect me for coming into my house. I've heard you the whole day upstairs with my son. Like... If you, it's actually kind of clever. Yeah. That would happen. For sure. Yeah. Would. Like and that was that, very real. And like, that's very indie wrestling. Yeah. Young guys in their early 20s living with their mom. Take and, a girl home and they don't even have respect for their parents to not do it when they're home. And he, so he finally gets his call back right around this time from Wild Bill and it's not good news. It's just not good news. Um, elsewhere, they've got, uh, they have Willie and she's sitting down with the rival promoter, which I thought was interesting. Uh, sitting down with the rival promoter to, ha- to have have lunch. And he's he's playing it very well. He's playing it smug. By the way, before, he, he offers her a job. He does. Before we go into that, though, I found it interesting that they used uh, TNA um, footage. footage. 
Yeah, they they would have had to license that from Anthem Sports, I would imagine. They must have, and they yeah. but they used TNA footage to to be this rival federation, and it looked really good. Well, they it? used Abyss footage and like hardcore yeah. stuff, and yeah, like it, the footage they used is from TNA when it was TNA yeah. it was before. But it would impact. still be owned by Anthem. Like, yes, it would be. So they would have had to they would have had to license that footage, and you would think that this would be a missed opportunity by Impact, in my opinion. So. Somebody at Anthem would have green. Sorry to sidebar here, but no, no. Go somebody for it. from Anthem would have green lit that. Probably Scott Demore or maybe Ed Nordholm would have said, "Yeah, by all means, we'll let you use our footage." Maybe there was a, a fee or a payment, but they should have went one step further and said, "Make sure in some way you draw some attention to our product, like use either talent or or talk about impact re- slip uh, the words impact wrestling into our, your script." It's one thing just to put video that's about fifteen years old. But you should have tried to get it to get impact, like to cross promote yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and they didn't. I don't know why that happened. But yeah. I, I wonder how you would get impact to cross promote it, though, when they're using footage of Abyss, who is now like. Uh, he's, doesn't matter. He's with WWE as a. Doesn't matter. As a writer, I should think. Have, you could have said, you know, um, they don't have to say. Uh, this footage was from Impact Wrestling. Obviously, they couldn't. But they could have, they, in the script, they could have talked about, hey, we've been talking Impact Wrestling. And Impact Wrestling could say, oh, you know, stars, check out Heels on Stars, right? Like, th- there's a value to this. For sure. That, well, they, that, they that could, got ignored somehow. They could have even, even brought somebody in to do something, like, obviously. Mm, it's, it's, maybe. It's doable. Yeah. So so she meets with the guy from, what's his Ch- name Charlie again? Gully. Charlie Gully. Charlie Gully. He offers her the job. He offers her the job. He also says he wants to buy out the dome yeah. as well. Which, of course, I'll tell you right now, in any promotion rivalry I've ever been in, the one that's got the better venue, the other side wants that venue. Yeah. Um, and if I was in a promoter's rivalry or promotion rivalry where I was like the booker from one and I wanted to hurt the other company and I couldn't get the booker promoter, I would try to take, a, take away the smart support. And that's what Willie is, right? She's kind of like the the pulse of that company. Yeah. She holds people accountable. Taking her would be a big score. Taking the venue, the dome would be a big score too. And that's what Dystopia is trying to do. They're just, you know, he he wants to swallow that market. That's, that's a very realistic story in itself where like you're going to see that with all the startups happening right now yes. after the pandemic. You're going to see it might start out friendly and it might start out, oh, there, you know, there's no boundaries, but eventually someone's going to step on someone else's toes and it's going to lead to companies, you know, screwing with each other. And that's all that's happening there. It always does with egos. And that was one of the quotes from from this part was that uh, Jack's ego will be the downfall of the DWL. And that's the truest thing they say in episode two is they're saying pretty much what I said last week was that Jack is so self-absorbed and consumed with himself that it's to the detriment of what he's trying to do as an independent promoter and booker. And Willie is 100% loyal, so she tells him where to go and what to do when he gets there, and she immediately rings Jack up about the offer and blah, blah, blah. You know, that's Yeah, it's all, all very realistic stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, it's exactly if how If she didn't happen. tell Jack, then it would seem like she might be considering it. Uh, Ace no shows, obviously. He's not going to show up, but they're still surprised. They're still acting surprised. So Jack's trying to write a killer script. Again, he's writing every, everything ad nauseum from, yeah. from, you know, Ace takes a step with his right foot to his left foot. To, like, it's really unrealistic. But we, we've already covered that. So so we cut right to, to Jack. He's, he's, or sorry, rather Ace. We cut to Ace. He's out drinking hard liquor. He decides he's going to... A karaoke bar. Poor guy's depressed is yeah, what he is. Anybody going to a karaoke bar is depressed. Well, 
in independent wrestling, in when things didn't go right for me, I can remember it kind of like I remember when I got fired as a booker by Bobby J. I got real drunk that night, yep. and I I became destructive for a week or two because I was distraught. In the, in a grander scheme of things, it was a minor blip, but the day it happens, you feel like oh my god, you're being rejected and. And so for Ace, I can only imagine, and I don't like the character. Remember, I said he wasn't played by Jim Helwig. No. <laughs> it's something Ludwig. Ludwig. But uh, I, I think of him like Jim Helwig because he kind of takes himself so seriously. So him being depressed is realistic, but um, I still don't find that character likable yet. No, and I think that's kind of the, the, the point. He's rude to his mom. He doesn't treat Crystal very well, the valet that he's having sex with. So now he ends up at the karaoke bar. And and in typical fashion, just like you said, he's not treating people well there. He's he's lipping off. He's thinking he's bigger than he is. What did he sing? Oh, it was a terrible it song. It was a very sad song. And then he and then he beaks off at like the local town tough guy who's playing pool who sang right before him. And that leads to them, and then they almost get in, they get into they, they it. They get into a tussle. Just when Jack gets there, right? Just when Jack gets there, they get into a tussle, and Crystal throws a shoot huracarana. That's at the end of it. They fight. Jack takes Ace's side, gets him he, out of it. He does. He does like a brother. Rooster gets mad because he's hosting um, karaoke. Rooster's one of the wrestlers. Yes. And he's hosting the karaoke. He's getting mad. He's thinking he's going to lose his gig, his only paying job. Yeah. Which kind of ties into their independent wrestlers aren't making very much money. They aren't. But, and, but like uh, that shoot huracarana, like that made an impression on me. That's why I'm jumping ahead to it because I'm just like... I mean, any other wrestling move, there's like tons of wrestling moves they could have used that would have been like, okay. She but, should have kicked the guy in the nuts. But just a, a shoot her a Karana, that's just, it, I'm not going to go into it, but that would not work. It just wouldn't work. I've often said that if I was watching a bar fight and some guy dropped up or jumped up to give a drop kick, that I would laugh hysterically because landing the drop, like as you land from the drop kick on the some, on you the ground, hurt. you're going to be hurt You'll way be worse hurt. than the, even if you kick the guy right in the mouth. You're going to yes. be the impact against the ground is going to hurt worse than that guy who's selling his mouth, and he is going to haul off and kick you in the face so hard as you're sitting there dazed. So the, it would be very humorous for me to see it in a shoot fight. Now. If uh, and Crystal's probably all of a buck twenty five, and she's learning these moves on a trampoline with kids. She, if she jumped up and gave me a for the her and Kanarana, one there's a risk the guy's going to power bomb her out of it, and she's going to hurt herself and look stupid for trying it. Or two, he's going to like it because she's jumping up and shoving her crotch in his face. No doubt. Yeah. So, but the guy ends up falling. Like he takes he, he ends takes up taking the, the yeah and ends up and that's how it ends. They win the fight. Thanks to Crystal making the big save. Uh, yeah, it just it just made me laugh out loud when I saw it, and and I don't know if it's maybe because of my experience or maybe because I don't. It's just ridiculous. It just seemed ridiculous. Yeah, but, in reality, if a girl's gonna jump in there to save the guy, she's usually gonna either scratch the guy, slap the guy across the face, and hope she can't get punched back, or she's gonna kick the guy in the nuts. Even if she jumped on his back and just like gave him a full Nelson, yeah, but or, he'd swing her off. Or she's whatever. tiny. Yeah, she is. I suppose so. She she draped herself around him, maybe. But anyways, <laughs> we we move along, move on from that. The wrestlers win. It's all wonderful. Jack is dropping Ace now, back home. Part of the reason why that fight started though was the town tough guy was. Disrespecting wrestling, he was, and there. This is very true as well. How wrestlers often get in fights is people don't take their what they do seriously, and they don't think the guys in it are tough guys. And wrestlers feel the need to immediately fight to defend the honor of the of the professional wrestling industry and the image. That's what started that fight. 
was that they were joking and not taking wrestling seriously at like the the people who were heckling right and i've seen you know guys have to step up for the business luckily in this day and age you don't have to get into a fight to to step up and defend the the image of the industry you can just laugh it off and think the guy's stupid which is what should happen in most cases okay so jack drops ace off at home Ace actually shows a little bit of human emotion for once and says, I hate you. You've ruined my life. You know, typical little brother stuff with the big brother. And, you know, it's all good. But he eventually um, just takes off and he stews. And it's really a nothing scene, even though it kind of fills in some of the blanks a little bit. Yeah. It, there's nothing super excited about exciting about that. What I found interesting, though, is they went to the other they went back to the other wrestlers. They kind of ended where they began with the wrestlers wondering about doesn't Ace ru- say something to Jack where he says I'll come back but only if you promise I'll never get booed again yes yeah, something to that effect yeah I remember seeing <laughs> I laughed actually very hard at that if as a, if as a booker one of the guys came to me and said I'm willing to work for you but you have to make sure I never ever get booed it reminded me of a funny story that actually happened on an indie show in Winnipeg Adam Knight was a baby face. We called him the karaoke cowboy. And he was getting booed mercilessly by like one or two hecklers who always said he sucked and he couldn't handle it. He could not handle it. So the, on this night, it's sorry, I'm going to side sidetrack here. It's going to be a bit of a long story. Um, Adam Knight was wrestling. I think it was Rob Stardom. I was in the match as a, as a manager. I think I was managing Rob Stardom and I, the venue owner had said to me, you got to get those guys to stop spitting. And Adam Knight was notorious for spitting in it. And he would launch his spit out, out of the ring towards the fans. And it, this was a bar and they served liquor and they served food. And that was a problem, right? The owner said, stop doing that. So on this night, I had early in the match, Adam Knight spit. I think it was at me, actually. And I got mad about it. I was, throughout the match, I was cursing at him for it. Like, I told you to stop your effing spitting. And so the match goes on, goes on, goes on. And in the finish, Adam Knight is going to end up selling on his back, and I'm going to be standing over him. And I stood over him, and I I kicked him, and I was, like, so mad at him. I said, I told you to stop spitting and whatever. And then the baby face comes in. I'm supposed to powder, and so is Rob Stardom. And... Somehow Adam Knight ended up in the in the fan in, out in the fans. He's the baby face, mind you. Yes. And the fans said, "You suck, Adam Knight." And he slapped him across the face. Oh my god! Yeah, this is Mister Professional Adam Knight, considered himself tough t- town tough guy of the wrestling locker room, and he slapped the fan across the face. Wow! And did he get sued? No, no. I, I'm going to tell you that story. So right away, I was the booker. Andrew Shellcross was my co-promoter. PCW. Andrew runs to me and he says, "Adam Knight just slapped a fan," and I was like, "What?" Adam Knight. And now bear in mind, he's a baby face. And so I'm like, get him to the back right now. So so Andrew goes right to Adam Knight, get, gets him to the back. And I stop selling. Like, this is supposed to be chaotic what's happening. I stop selling and I get my ass to the back because I give him shit. I was like, you stupid son of a bitch. I lose my, I lose my shit. And I tell him, you get out there right now. Don't apologize to me because he was apologizing to me. You get out there and you apologize to the fan you just slapped. Right? And that reminded me of Ace being so consumed with himself Adam Knight couldn't handle being told he sucked at the best of times as a babyface or a heel. He he couldn't handle it. And that's what I get from Ace when he says, hey, I'm not, make sure I never get booed again. 
And in the case of Adam Knight, like he should have known better because he prides himself on being this king of professionalism. And he really isn't. Like that that's a pretty bad thing to do. Um, so what did we do to get Adam Knight out of that? Like I was going to fire him. And it was actually the venue owner who liked Adam Knight who said, no, I think you can give him another chance. The fan wasn't mad enough to call the police, thank God. And so we turned him heel immediately. You have to. Really How old. do you come back from that? You slap one of the uh, fans. You know what I should have done? Thinking back on it, I should have sent him out there as a baby face for the next six weeks. Yeah, just and, as punishment. Yeah, and you try your hardest to get over and then have the heel, tell the heel in the promo, make sure you remind the fans that he slapped a fan last week and made him go through that. But anyway, back to heels. Okay, so that part with, with, with Jack and Ace, where they where Jack and, and Ace talk about coming back, that's the very end of the episode. Uh, something interesting in the episode, though, that I was just kind of alluding to is the roster, and they're now talking about jumping to the rival promotion. They're yeah, now, Dystopia sends a, yeah, a bouquet, a bouquet with fishing lures to the one of the guys that j- had a kid who's not wrestling and anymore. So they're now talking about jumping, and the, the roster's really working that over in their head. Especially Rooster. Rooster's very serious about jumping. The rest of the ro- roster is not sure. So you, let me tell you how that happens. So if you take any promotion war in any city in any place where there's two exclusive rosters. Um, there's always feelers being put out back and forth. Hey, yeah, if you ever want to come over and work here. And it's and it's actually like that's where wrestlers have it the best. That's why I said a couple of weeks ago, you got to have exclusivity. Wrestlers have the ability to freshen themselves up by jumping across to the other companies sometimes. Puerto Rico, the hot, last hot territory in North America was Puerto Rico in 2005, 6, and 7. And why it was hot was because there was Carlos, World Wrestling Council, and there was Victor Quiones, International Wrestling Association that Savio took over when Victor passed away. And you weren't allowed to work both. And it was they hated each other. And that hatred led to better effort and a better, and a better overall competition. So in this case, Dystopia is putting out feelers to all of Jack's crew. And Jack, of course, is too worried about writing scripts than he is about recruiting more wrestlers. And never does he talk about needing another wrestler. He's always worried about, oh, he's got to write all the moves out for every wrestler. Jack is the worst booker. This show, like this show, one thing it exposes every episode so far, two episodes so far, is Jack is a terrible booker. He would be so much better to say to Willie, you book the show or something like that. But he doesn't do it. And in the case of of like Jack and and his wrestlers are all going to he he's going to get raped and pillaged. He takes it a he takes it personal that they're trying to get his wrestlers. Well, what do you think is going to happen? The wrestlers are going to go where the money is or where the better opportunity is. Okay, so that's where we're leaving off with heels for this week. We of course are going to do next week. We will do another episode of heels. Uh, or possibly the week after we will do an episode of Heels again. We'll oh, see. no, episode three next week. Okay, okay. We'll try to do it in 20 minutes or less. 20 minutes or less next week. But uh, you brought up a bunch of things about independent wrestling and booking and, and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, did it hurt your feelings mm-hmm. when I told you the Adam Knight story? I think you isn't he one of your heroes? No, not at all. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't have a problem with Adam Knight. I, I, I protested really hard I have there. a lot of Adam Knight stories that I'm going to tell. Some are very positive. That one, he's not going to be happy. I told it, but he did it. I don't have a. I, I don't, did stupid I don't have too. any Adam Knight stories. I don't have any any issue with Adam Knight whatsoever. He's one of the few people that uh, treated me very very well. Yes, he uh, treats people well. Um, okay, so moving on, you talked a lot about booking and being a promoter, and of course, you were one yourself. I had a question that, that sort of jogged my mind this week: Should a promoter be booking names, and how often should they be booking names? Because that's something that I was talking with a friend about. 
And it's it, I was like, you know what? That's an interesting question. I'm going to ask Davidson. I think independent fans take take companies that book names more serious than companies that don't. It's an investment. Um, shout out to my friend Danny Duggan, Danny Warren, who just announced that he's got Irwin R. Scheister for four shows coming up. Good name. Yep. Good legend. Um, he books in name. Danny CWE books in names pretty much once a month, and because it's instead of radio advertising which i said was extremely important he uses names here's what happens when you book a name it immediately ups the morale in your locker room because a lot of the guys grew up wrestling fans and they get to work with a name is a very important thing it it to the fan base they get excited they've heard of that guy they want to come see that guy or girl that's the name i remember in 1997 the first time i ever worked with a name i was working for tony candelo with the iwa and I knew Rick Martel was going to be on the show, and I was pretty excited about Rick Martel. And I remember being starstruck when he when he came into the locker room. But I tried my best not to react. I I pretended like he was just another guy, even though in my eyes he wasn't. Um, and then I obviously as I went on, I knew the value of booking in names, and it didn't. I did it differently. The way most indie promoters do it is they bring in one name as a guest star. And they never use them consistently. It's you come in, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get one match with you against one top guy, and um, and then I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the next name in. I did it differently. I tried to build a roster with free agent talents because it made WFX legitimate to use Eugene every show, Billy Gunn every show, Bob Holly every show, Charlie Haas every show. Booking names is hugely valuable. What were you so say? that's perfect for you. But what about the average indie promoter? How, how often? How often should an average, let's just say, PCW, CWE, whatever? So there's a rule called law of diminishing returns that if you do it too often, it might not work. Right. I don't know about that. Quarterly? Oh no. Well, I don't. <sighs> Again, I'm going to sound like a know-it-all, and promoters are going to roll their eyes. If you're not booking in names, you're not taking it seriously. Then the question is, what name caters to your fan base? I told you a couple weeks ago, don't market to your fan base. They're going to support you anyway. They're coming anyways. Yes. yes. But I think if you can get the... So if you have... An, the argument is, oh, well, we've got a smart fan crowd. Okay, great. They're going to come... If you cater to them, they're going to come all the time. Why wouldn't you then bring in a legend that might bring mainstream fans in that are sort... What do they call them? The lapsed fan. Right. So if you brought in, say... Erwin R. Scheister. Erwin R. Scheister, prime example. So there's the indie darlings that are going to come and give you a five-star match. You should try to get them in. It's instinctive. I don't know how often you should bring a name in, but if you're, if you're in a town... And here's the thing. If you're going to run a town, you say, live professional wrestling returns to um, Des Moines, Iowa. Okay? If you say... Des Moines Wrestling Alliance is running a show in Des Moines, Iowa. They're going to know, okay, it's not WWE. I'm not even excited. Yeah. Professional wrestling returns to Des Moines. Is it WWE is their first question? Okay, maybe it's not WWE. Maybe it's AEW. They're going to listen to your commercial, right? So you should say professional wrestling is returning to Des Moines. Then you should tell them someone they want to see, right? Right. So that's where the value of booking in a name is. Here's what happens on a... Uh, there's so many levels where a name helps. First and foremost, your locker room, the morale goes up. Now, independent wrestling promoters still depend on independent wrestlers to push tickets to their friends. 
That's part of the 150 we talked about a few weeks yep. ago. Is how many tickets can I count on the boys to sell? That's how promoters think. So they need the boys to sell 75 tickets, and then they're already over their 50 low end, and then they're close to their 100 break even, and then they're close to their 150. So if you give the boys something to sell, like, oh, so-and-so is going to be on the show, like Bushwhacker Luke or, um, I don't know, Honky Tonk Man or, I, you know, like Matt Cardona is a guy right. that's out there a lot now. There's so many different versions of what a name is. Now it's going to be what can you budget, how often can you budget it, and what will will it build your business every time to do it, or will it get to a point where fans are like, oh, and here's what other another thing promoters think. If I bring in a name too often, my regular shows without names aren't going to be special. No one's going to come. That's a problem. How do you balance it, right? Some promoters are hell-bent on getting their package over with their homegrown wrestlers without names, and they're going to try to get that over. But that's just independent wrestling. It's generic yeah. independent wrestling. You can call it ASW. You can call it CWE. You can call it any three letters, and it's the same. The name helps differentiate it a little bit. Okay, so you mentioned Erwin R. Scheister. That makes me think of something. Uh, older, established talent. Mm-hmm. Have you come across them sort of screwing around, going into business for themselves? Rarely. That, that sort of Rarely. thing. Rarely. Um, just because they're... They're older and established. They can. They feel like they can get away with it. Rarely. I, I think I know what you're getting at. So you hear stories of like sometimes a guy that was like a huge WWF star in the 80s taking bookings and kind of di- calling it in, not taking it very yeah. seriously. Hey, I'm just here to get paid. I'm loyal to you today. Uh, pay me my money. I don't care. I want to work. I want to sell Polaroids at intermission. <laughs> no one sells Polaroids anymore. I want to sell pictures <laughs> at intermission, you know. Yeah, I've dealt with it. Of course I've dealt with it. Now I'll tell you who I didn't deal with it with. The LOD, Legion of Doom, when they were alive, they were awesome. And they were the biggest stars I'd brought in to date at that point, probably maybe ever. Um, I, Bushwhacker Luke, a saint, he's a Hall of Famer. That guy would have done anything, and he would do anything for the independent show he's on because he understands it's a relationship. I've had a horror story with that. Oh, let's let's hear that. I can't always tell you my favorite stories. Mike, I'm going to tell you this one. You have to you have to tell us the story. So, 2002, Andrew and I ran PCW, and our first show was Commencement of Cool, and we it was featuring Eddie Guerrero as our main event. A couple of weeks before the show, we got a call from a from a venue that said, "Hey, we'd love to have you in for a live event. Any chance you can get some? Who who could you bring in as as big name talent?" and so I said, oh, I could get you so-and-so, so-and-so, honky-tonk man. I could get you Brutus Beefcake. Who do you want? And he's like, give me honky-tonk man and Brutus Beefcake. Then you personally ask for them. So I contact honky, I contact Beefcake. Originally, that show was only going to be Eddie Guerrero headlining a show with all local talent. Right. So honky says, yeah, I'll come in. And I said, well, it'll be three shows. We're going to make it three shows for you, and you'll get X amount for the, as a total for three shows. And he's like, yeah, that sounds good to me. And then I contact Brutus and he said, yeah, for three shows. And it was a Sunday, Monday, Sunday through Wednesday. So it was, they could work the Friday and yep. Saturday before, come to Winnipeg. And then they would go and be able to do next weekend. So it wasn't, it was bonus shows for them. So they were good. Like they, they really added to the package at Commencement of Cool, which drew fifteen to 1,700 fans, depending on what source you look at. 
and they they had a great match. We put them on before intermission so that they could sell gimmicks in the ring at intermission. Like we rolled out the red carpet, did everything we could for them. And I remember going in and trying to give them a finish, and um, it was a it was out out of the box kind of finish. It was something Steve Stryker and I came up with, and then Andrew and I tweaked. And it was basically that Andrew's going to come because someone's got to get their hair cut. Right. Honky's not going to agree to get his hair cut. Brutus needs to do a haircut. So someone's got to get his hair cut, right? So I said, well, we're going to cut the match off, and Andrew's going to hit the ring as the honky-tonk fan. Andrew was all on board yep. with this. He was going to get his head cut, a haircut, and then shave his head. And basically, I think Honky was going to give him the shake, rattle, and roll, and Beefcake would put him in a sleeper. And So the fans get to see both finishes. Big pop, right? Andrew gets his head shaved. Everyone's happy. Fans go home happy. Great. Perfect. So the match on the on the Wednesday was supposed to be Honky versus Beefcake. And for reasons I don't want to get into, I wasn't able to sit down with them and go over a finish. Who's going to get their hair cut, right? Now, nobody told me what they had in mind. So match, yeah, Honky versus Beefcake. How good of a match you think they were going to yeah. give me? And they were kind of cranky by this point, and they kind of became more and more pushy, and I, I, don't, neg- I don't like to negotiate. It's a, not part of my... A match where zero bumps were taken? I don't remember, honestly. Yeah. As a, what I remember, unfortunately, is the negative of it. So, and I'm not going to take a dump on Honky or Beefcake. I worked with Beefcake in 2008 after this happened. I never worked with Honky again, but yeah. it was, there was, at 2010, there was some interest. I don't know if it was on his end, but someone was talking to me saying, you got a book in Honky, you'll come in. Yeah. He thinks you don't like him. So here's why. Yeah. <laughs> So we're doing the show in Brandon. It's at a bar. And, uh, oh, this is traumatic for me to bring up. I had just gotten highlights before the show because I was the ring announcer. I remember that. Yeah, I remember that look. Yeah, I so I got period. highlights. I $115 were the highlights in 2002 money. And I knew something was up. They go in, they do their thing, bare bone minimum match. And then at the end, Honky's got the guitar in his hand. He says, get in here. I was ring announcing and I knew they were going to, I was walking into a yeah. situation. So I have a choice. I could say no, right? I should have. I walk in, he hits me with the guitar. Okay. And then I have a choice. I could no sell it, but the fans went crazy for it. Yeah. I was not in on this. This is a problem for me. I think the ref was willing to get his head cut haircut in this situation i'd have to go back but i think that's what it was i wanted the ref to take the guitar shot and yeah they just kind of did their own thing then beefcake cut my hair and he cut it in a way where it was like imagine if i was going bald and i had like a horseshoe and yeah that's what it looked like he cut all the highlights out oh my god i was furious yeah like i can't even to this day to tell it i'm getting mad um so let's say I then decide, I get mad at everybody, like anybody that I think was in on it, because I think it was a rib from the boys. Yeah. So I immediately go to Wall, Shane Mattis, Jeez Weez, and I said, do you know? He's like, no, I didn't know. And I said, don't fuck with me. And he said, no, I didn't know. And I go to Playboy Will Damon, did you know? He said, I didn't know. I go to Shellcross, who I thought might have okayed this, right? Somebody had to okay these two idiots doing this to me. And I said, did you know? And he la- he's laughing, but he said, no, I didn't know. To this day, I don't know if he knew. I think he did know. Yeah. But I don't know how this went down. Who who greenlit this? I'm so mad about this. I'm mad talking about it. They cut my hair. They didn't say to me, <laughs> hey, we're going to hit you with a guitar. We're going to cut your hair. Now, what I should have done that to Honky is when he hit me with the guitar, it didn't hurt. I should have kicked him in the nuts as hard as I could. Yeah. 
And but then Beefcake, I would have had to take on two of them. I don't know. I don't know how that would have went. Probably not well. Probably not well. One kick in the nuts to Honky, I got him neutralized. Maybe I get a kick in the nuts to Beefcake. Maybe I should have done that thinking back. But that's not what I did because the fans went crazy on the guitar shot. You did the right thing for business. Yes. I think. Yes. But then I refused to shave my head the rest of the night because I was mad. I wanted everyone to see it. I walked around the hotel because we had hotel rooms that night in my underwear. I walked into a stranger's room and started helping myself to their beer because I was mad. I was so mad. Uh, I'm still mad, as you can tell. So I was going to call Canada Customs or U.S. Customs because you have to clear customs or whatever it was. I was going to call the airport and say, check their bag for drugs, knowing a thing or two about a thing or two. I don't know if they would have wanted to be screened that way. Get the drug dog out and check if they've got drugs, I was going to say. Now, there's a funny story about this. I'm going to tell it because I don't owe either guy anything. No. And I don't, like Honky, I don't care what he says about me. He says something bad about everybody. I don't care about Honky Tonk Man. But Brutus Beefcake, on the ride home, I later found out, wanted to take a piss. Why are all my stories about this? <laughs> and and Andrew said, oh, I'll stop. And Beefcake didn't want to stop because he's paranoid because he was maybe drugged up. I don't know. And he's like, no, no, just hand me a beer bottle. And somehow, Brutus Beefcake managed to piss into a beer bottle. Ooh. Now, that's a very small opening. Yeah. So what's that tell you about Brutus Beefcake? Yeah, I, I'm not, he was I'm able not saying... to somehow piss into a beer bottle. Now, maybe he pissed all over the place in the back seat. I personally don't know. But Brutus Beefcake, Honky Tonk Man, you're both assholes. Oh, you're the only people. You're the only people who ever did something like that to me. And and then Danny brought in Brutus Beefcake, and it didn't go well. Honky, yep. there's so many stories about it. See, Honky's good friend is Vance Nevada. That should tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> My favorite part of that story, before we wrap up here. You I, think it's funny. I do think it's, well, I don't think it's funny. Oh, yeah, it's funny. What the hell? It's not I, funny I, for I, me. But but the funniest part of the story is that you decided that you were going to punish the world by not fixing your hair. Like, that's going to affect anybody else. I'm going to leave it like this so everybody sees. I'm going to walk into people's hotel rooms. That was your way to punish the world, even though it just made you look Yeah, and, I, and anybody who would hear me out, I would tell them how bad I got treated in this situation. <laughs> I was angling for sympathy, Chris. That's Oh, it's amazing. The, the to idea, do it all over again, the guitar shot, I wish I'd kicked him in the nuts. The idea that, that you were going to... Think of the mental picture here for one second. The idea that Mike Davidson is going to Think get of the sympathy. mental picture for one second. Honky hits me with the guitar. I kick him in the nuts and give him the double finger. Well, then you might be over. You might be over. As they probably thing. would have popped just the same. Yeah, you might have been over. You know what? You might be right. You, and then you, and then sell the beefcake, cut his hair, cut Honky's may, hair. Maybe you should have done that. You you might have been way shoulda, over. Shoulda, woulda, coulda. Shoulda, woulda. Well, but, so we can make that happen. promoters, hey, listen, I can, I've heard of horror stories about Brutus Beefcake. There was the story about him working in the Boston s- subway or something, and then there was an anthrax scare, and he had to tell the authorities, yeah, that's my cocaine. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. All right, Mike. We, we've we're told not a lot done of stories. Yet. I think we need we're to wrap things up. We're not done yet. Okay. Well, How long we're, are we in? We're, we are at 101. Oh, I got lots of time. The listeners <laughs> lots have of lots of time. Okay. What more do you have for me? Is this awkward for you when I go silent on you? Not awkward for me. Okay. I could sit here like this all day. Is it awkward for the listeners? Probably, but it'll be cut out. No, no, you're not cutting this. Oh, I'm leaving this in. Yeah, leave this in. Okay. There's a, there's some, there's a value in a moment of, of quiet. That's right. Let's, it, let's it, try it right now. It's very surreal. Yeah, very surreal. Because I talk a lot during an episode. 
You get more introspective after your so, pauses too. So it's all it's like you almost all of a sudden become Wayne Stanton. I talked about too much unprofessionalism today. I talked about Adam Knight slapping a fan when he was a baby face. I talked about Honky Tonk Man and Bruce Beefcake going into business for themselves, shaving the booker's head, cutting the booker's hair, cutting $115 with a highlight set of his head. Yeah. I want to I want to rib both guys now. Well, I think we should. 22 years after the 20 years after the fact as a 20 year anniversary gift to Honky Tonk Man and Brutus Beefcake, mm. I would like to rib them. At some point, are you not just abusing the elderly though? Well, they're both. I think Honky might be 70 years old. They're both elder. They're both octogenarians. You're taking advantage of old people. All right. I support it. But I'm you just so I'm, want to end this, right? I'm, no, Are you I, charging me extra for going over? Of course. I, I'm just telling you what you're doing. I support your decision to do it, though. How, what would Wayne Stanton have done if Honky Tonk Man had pulled this sh- crap on him? I think Wayne Stanton would have punched, <laughs> him, punched him out. Yes, I he would have. I think because I think Wayne Stanton would have punched got him. A, Wayne's got a defensive streak where he would fight back. <sighs> Listen, you <laughs> coward. You, you coward. <laughs> You go at me? You go at me? Why don't you bring it to you? Washed up has been. All of a sudden, he sounded like Elliot Nesser a bit. Is that how Elliot... You dirty dirty rat. Well, I've heard Stanton call everyone a coward. He would have called Honky a coward for going into business for himself. And he would have punched him. Oh. It would have been so good. You you dropped the ball. Okay, we need to. We really need to work out this, this rib. You know the the worst way to work out a rib is by talking about it on a I'm calling podcast my, first. I'm calling my ribbing ally Danny Duggan right now. And I'm going to say, how should we rib the honky tonk man? Rokeby rib too? No, this time no, it's personal. Wait, 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 wait! Nobody knows about that. I wasn't in on that. We're going to talk about it in a future episode. Yeah, it had something to do with a baby face who slapped a fan. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, and, yes. And, and the small town of uh, okay. Here's what Rokeby. I want to say: Follow us on Twitter at the bees at the total bees she's follow us on instagram at the total bees she's look us up on facebook at the total bees she's uh you can email us total at gmail.com what else can you do to contact us you can send us direct messages you can tweet us uh chris's phone number he doesn't want me to give that out again he had to cut uh, again, that out of last yeah, week's show um i'm gonna go back to tell more ribs next week next week we're gonna talk about episode three of heels i'm gonna try to get an expert to talk about what triple h says is bad habits amongst indie talent so that any talent can learn what they're doing wrong and do differently. And that'll be our probably our first guest on the Total B She's. And I'm going to play back some voicemails that I've gotten oh. from some of the supporters of the Total B She's yes. show, including Sean Brown. And I got a weird one. I'm not even sure who it was, but it's funny. And we're going to play that one probably next week too. I think we, we need to set up some sort of dedicated voicemail for this because this is a what do you mil- think i did on my personal voice million million dollar you have ID. reached the total b she show yeah i did that you didn't you never call me so you don't know what my voice I, I never do call you mike davidson but i will now okay cue up glenn goza r-a-s-s-l-i-n that's wrestling we're out of here everyone thank you boom well the boss called me up and said come in to work i just hung up on that slave driving jerk i'm going to wrestling going to wrestling well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the Iron Claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. 
boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I'd like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover, and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs>